Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John Butler speaks from the subject of Without God. And now, here is Pastor John with today's message. I want you to receive this personally today. This, this word today is not for anybody else. It's for you. It's for you. Would, would you. would you just say that? Would you say, this word today is for me? Would you say that right now? This word today is for me. It's for me. If it applies to somebody else, that's cool. But receive this personally today. Paul said, in those days you were living apart from Christ. Y'all remember those days? Do you remember before you got saved? You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And and look at this. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You you didn't know. You lived in this world, and and you've got to get this. This is the the whole crux of the message right here. You lived in this world without God and without hope. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you transform us today by your word? God, help me. Help me to say what it is that you have burned in my soul this week. God, help me to say it. Because the truth of your word is going to set people free. Lord, the truth of your word is going to change people's lives. And God, I, I don't want to be in, I don't want to get in the way. So Lord, would you, when I open my mouth, would you fill it with your words, with your power, with your anointing, with your authority? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can, you can be seated today. So sometimes when I pray, I let my mind wander. And I, and I try to remember what life was like, or I try to project what life would be like without God. You ever do that? You ever spend any time? Now listen, y'all stay with me this morning. Y'all, so y'all talk to me, okay? Do y'all ever do that? Do you ever, you ever spend some just, just thinking about what it would be like if you were without God? It, for some of us, that's been a really long time. I was thinking about it this morning uh, it, it was 1975 when I gave my heart to the Lord. That's, that's been a minute. 43 years that I've been walking with the Lord. And uh, ups and downs and, and, and times that I've walked away and times that I've failed Him and all of that stuff. But I've been, I've been trying to do this Christian walk, this, this following Jesus for a long time. Some of you have been the same way or even longer. That, that it's been a long time. You'd have to really let your mind go back a ways to remember what it was like without God. For some of you, that hasn't been too long. Some of you, just a few weeks. Avery's back this morning, got baptized last Saturday, and he's back in church the following Sunday. Can you, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, stay with it. Come next week. This is exactly where you need to be, man. People get saved, and then they flitter away because they don't understand what salvation is. They don't understand. And so I'm, just, I'm glad you're here. And if you've just been saved a few weeks or a few months... Thank you for being here this morning. Don't ever forget what it was like for you before you found the Lord. Don't ever forget what life was like without God. For some of you, 
it's, it's not something to remember. It's something that you're experiencing right now. That you are, you know what it's like to walk around on, in this life without God. You're not in right relationship with Him. Maybe you've known Him at some point in the past and you've walked away. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. You're in the right place today. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. You're welcome here. Because there's no other, there's no more important thing for you to deal with than to figure out how you're relating to God. Is there's no more important thing to figure out than, than what your relationship with, with the Almighty God should be about. So, so this, this whole concept of what life would be like without God. Andre Crouch wrote a song years, decades ago. It came right out of the pages of the Psalms. He said, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, if it had not been. Have you ever asked yourself that question? What would have happened to me if it hadn't been for the Lord? What would life be like for me without God? That's the question that I want us to sort of wrestle with this morning. Now, I, I started to, I, I, I'm putting together a message today that, that had multiple points and, you know, three points, and we, we were going to just make it a sermon, and, and the Lord just kind of wrecked my world and said, no, you need to slow down. This is, you just need to take your time. So this morning I have one point. Don't, don't worry about slides or nothing. I got one point. We're going to talk about one thing this morning, and it's this focus on this series, I guess, is going to be called Without God, and I want to talk about one thing today today uh, from this series, from this scripture in, in Ephesians, one thing that life is like without God. And he'd already told us there, he said, life without God, when you are without God, you are without hope, without hope. So what's life like without God? If it had not been for the Lord on, on your side, what would life be like? Hopeless, hopeless. That's what life's like without the Lord. You see, hope is a powerful word. It's an important word. It's difficult to live very long without hope. Have you ever found yourself in a situation that you that you believed or that you at least it at least seemed like it was hopeless? You ever been in one of those situations? Is there any more desperate feeling in the world than to feel like you're in a situation that where you have no hope? When the circumstance that you're in is not good and you have no reason to believe that today is going to be any better than yesterday. And you have that sinking feeling in your heart that tomorrow is going to be a repeat of today and the next day is and the next week and the next month, maybe the next year and so on and so on. That when you live without hope, it's, that's what cripples prisoners of war. They are, they, they, are, they are psychologically tortured to believe that they are going to be in that cage, in that pen, in that circumstance forever. They're never going to get out. It tortures your mind because there's no hope. It's what keeps people, it's what keeps people in poverty, keeps people oppressed generation after generation because they have no hope. When everybody you know is living just like you, and, you, and everything you've ever seen tells you that nothing is ever going to change. It's easy to start to believe that nothing can change. And that's a different thing. You start to believe that it's your destiny to live exactly the way you've always lived. And when that's the case, you're hopeless. You are hopeless. Our opening scripture tells us that when we are without God, we are without God hope. I think back to the times in my life when I've been the farthest away from God. See, God doesn't leave us. We leave Him. 
right? And it's cliche, but I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you and God, there's distance between you and God, then just go back to wherever it was that you left him. He'll be waiting right there for you to come back with open arms. He'll be waiting for you. I think about those times that I've been the furthest away from God, and I remember how it felt, and I don't ever want to forget what it feels like to be in that situation without God. I don't ever lose that. If you can remember what life was like before you met the Lord, don't ever, don't ever forget it. Don't get so saved and sanctified that you forget what life was like without Jesus. So I remember the, the most difficult time of my life it, when I had a, a, a crisis of faith. It was about 10 or 15 years ago. And, and I was at the lowest point in my life. Things were going from, it seemed like every day from bad to worse, or at least every week from bad to worse. And, and, and I had no faith to believe for anything different. I just couldn't. I was, I was just done. I had reached the end of my rope. Uh, the end of my power to do anything to change my circumstance because believe me, if I had the power to change it, I would have already changed it long before. But in that moment, I came to the realization that I wasn't even sure I believed in God anymore. Not that I didn't even have faith for Him to move, I wasn't even sure I believed in Him anymore. And that is a startling place to get to. But if you're there this morning, you need to be honest about it. Be honest about it. Because you can't get anywhere else until you are honest about where you are with the Lord. And so I, that, that's the, I can't think of a better word to describe what I felt in that moment than hopeless. See, I've been raised in this thing. I, I've been in church since nine months before I was born. I, I, all I know is church. I had led other people in church. I, so I was having a crisis because I said, if, I, if there is no God, then I've not only deceived myself, I've deceived all these other people or the, for, for the years that I've been in ministry. And so I, I was shaken to my core. When you're in a bad situation and you know that you don't have the power to change it and you don't believe that there's anyone or anything with any more power than yourself, that's the very definition of hopeless. And so I did the only thing I knew to do. Because hope, hope is built on what you believe. Hope is built on what you believe. And so I went back to what I believe. I looked around me and said, okay, so I know this is here. Where did all of this come from? And I went all the way back to the origins of the universe and I began to ask myself some questions about how we all got here. And when I answered one question, the answer would lead me to another question, which would lead me to another question, which led me all the way back to the understanding and the realization that yes, there is a God, and yes, He created all of this, and yes, His Son's name is Jesus, and yes, the only way to salvation is through His Son. And I didn't know why I was in the situation I was in, and I didn't understand a whole lot of things, but I knew what I believed, and I believed that God was the author of all of this. And that's, that, at that moment, that's when hope flickered back to life for me. Now, don't listen, don't get too excited. I ain't talking about an inferno. I ain't talking about the furnace got lit. I mean the pilot light got lit. Because your belief is the pilot light for your soul. What you believe determines what's going to happen in your life. And I, I believed again, and I, and I was exhausted 
And I said, God, I still got questions, and I'm still a little upset about some things, and I still don't know what's going on, but I believe in you. And so hope flickered back in my life. And see, my circumstance hadn't changed. I would really love to tell you that by midnight on that night that everything turned around. It didn't. It didn't. But I realized something in that season that, 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 I, that I needed to discover and that I really felt compelled to share with you this morning. I, I, I realized in that season that hope is not, is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Hope isn't a pep talk. Hope isn't even a change in your circumstance. Hope is a person, and the person's name is Jesus. Hope's name is Jesus. And so if we, could just, if we just needed to go home right now, that's the whole thing. I want you to realize hope is Jesus. That's why without hope, without God, you are without hope. That's what Paul said in that scripture. When we didn't know Jesus, we didn't understand his promises. We were without God and without hope because our only hope is in Jesus. And it's not just in his willingness to change our circumstance because sometimes God allows things in our lives for reasons that don't occur to us and that we will never understand on this side of eternity. So hope is not about our circumstance changing. Hope comes from the understanding that no matter what we face, in every circumstance and in every situation, He has promised He would never leave us and that He would never forsake us. He's promised there, there's never anything that will, that will face us that surprises Him or sends Him scrambling for an answer. He's promised us in Romans chapter 8 that He's going to take every situation that we've ever been through in our lives and He's going to somehow, someway, turn it around for our good. That's where hope comes from. That's where hope comes from. It comes from Jesus. Hope is a person, and His name is Jesus this morning. Now listen, I want to, I want to show you how this plays out in real life. So I want you to turn with me or, or look on the screens at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, a really familiar passage of Scripture, but I, I want you to see hopelessness and hope all at one time. So here we go. Acts 16, the first, the verse 22 through 24, Paul and Silas had been preaching, and a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And he just, it only got worse from there. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Listen, if there, were, if there was ever a hopeless place, this was it. The inner dungeon of a Roman prison is a hopeless place by design. The only reason you ever go to the inner dungeon of a Roman prison is to await your execution or for you to bleed to death from your, from your injuries or for you to die of exposure to the elements in this cold and dark and damp stone prison. It was not the birthplace of hope. This is where hope goes to die. And they do that 
on purpose. And there are other reasons why this is the most hopeless place these men had ever been in their lives. And when you add to it the understanding that they were arrested for preaching the gospel, they were arrested for delivering this little girl, this little 16-year-old girl from a demon spirit, They were doing exactly what God had called them to do, and now they're sitting in the inner dungeon of a Roman jail in the city of Philippi. That adds insult to injury, and they are in the most hopeless place you can ever imagine. Have you ever been in a place where you've done everything you know how to do? When you've done everything as right as you can possibly do it? When you've done exactly what you understood the will of God was for your life, and you still find yourself in a hopeless place? You see, here's what, here's what I know. I've been doing this long enough to know. When God burns in me something like this, it's not just for me. I know that there are people here in this place today who are in a hopeless place one way or the other. And so I want you to hear the word of the Lord for your situation. I want you to see, first of all, that you are not alone that there are other people, everybody has been in a hopeless place at one time or the other, or they are right now with you. So you are not alone. And secondly, there is hope for your hopeless situation. So I want us to look at these two men. Let's look at the next verse and see what it is that they did. How do you get through a hopeless situation? How is it that you find hope amongst your hopelessness? And that's in verse 25. Around midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wrap your brain around that for just a second. Praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Well, I guess they were listening. It's midnight in a stone prison. They are praying. I I would venture to, to say that it's not the first time they heard praying in the prison. But I suspect it might have been the first time they had heard hymns to God being sung by people who were in the inner dungeon of a Roman prison. These two men were on death row. But they decided there was something more important than their pain. Something more important than the blood that was spilling from their body. Something more important than the cold. Something more important than the frustration or the potential to be offended with God. They decided that if hope was a person, they had better make sure they had the right relationship with that person. And so they started praising Him in the midst of their pain. They decided they better start start talking to the one who is hope. And so I want you to know that you can worship God in faith even when your circumstance hasn't changed one bit. When, When everything is going wrong in your life, you can still worship God in faith because hope is not a change in your circumstance. Hope is a person. And if it's true that hope is a person then your relationship with God is the most important thing in your life at any one time. So listen, if you're in the midst of a hopeless situation, don't clam up on Him today. Don't shut down when you're in a hopeless situation. You lift up your voice and you worship God like you just won the lottery. You pray and you intercede with the Lord like you and Him are best friends and everything is right with the world. 
You can do that in the midst of a hopeless situation. Listen, if Paul and Silas can get beat half to death and go into the inner dungeon of a Roman prison and still pray and worship the Lord, I believe we can do that as well because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So yes, your circumstance is bad. Do you know what I did for a living while I was in the midst of that crisis of faith? I led worship in this church, on this platform, struggling for my very life, wondering if I even believed in the God that I was worshiping. But in my soul, I knew I believed. And in my soul, God saw the sacrifice and God saw the effort that I was putting forth every week to give him an honest praise from an honest place, not putting on a show but honestly crying out to the Lord and saying, God, I don't understand this, but I know who you are, and I know you're worthy, and I know you're great, so I'm just going to give you a praise today that comes from a hard place, from a difficult spot, but it's honest, and it's pure, and it's true. And God receives that, and He loves that, because it's, it's real. It's real. You say, listen, John, I get tired of talking about my problem. I don't want to pray. The last thing I want to do is pray. I'm tired of praying about my problem. I'm tired of talking about it. I don't even want to talk to God about it anymore. Well, that's fine. Pray about something else. Pray for someone else. Nothing gets your mind off your own misery than when you start to pray for somebody else. Don't, I don't think Paul and Silas were sitting in the middle of that dungeon just praying about themselves. I believe that they were there. They were praying for the other apostles who were scattered all over the world, spreading the gospel, doing exactly what they were trying to do. I believe they were praying for boldness like the apostles were in Acts chapter 4 when they got arrested for preaching the gospel. I think they were praying for boldness and saying, God, we may stand trial in the morning. We may stand before a king or before a ruler, and we want to make sure we say the right thing in the right way so that we can share the gospel with that man who's dying and going to hell. Lord, give us boldness. Help Help us not worry about defending ourselves. Help us to take the chance to share the gospel with somebody who needs it. I, I believe they were praying for the churches they'd already planted on that missionary journey they were on. I think they trusted in Jesus to such an extent that they were just going to leave their fate in his hands. I think they were, they were just saying, God, if I'm going to be executed, then I'll see you in the morning. And if I'm going to be rescued, if I'm going to be delivered, we're okay with that too. As soon as we can walk, we'll hit the ground running and we'll go and share the gospel somewhere else. They were okay with it either way. You see, their hope was not in a circumstance. It wasn't in an outcome. Their hope was a person and they trusted that person to make the decision about their future. God help us to live in this constant state of hope. They had hope in the midst of the prison. Why is that? Because they knew hope as a person. Look at what Paul would say years later. He learned it the hard way. But this is what he would say in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24. Paul said, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, look, whether I live or die. No matter which way this thing goes, 
Whether it turns out good, turns out bad, either way, I'm trusting that my life and the way I handle the situations of my life is going to bring honor to Christ. For to me, living means living for Christ. And look, dying's even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for the Lord. So I really don't know which one's better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Do you understand, do you understand the level of freedom that brings in your life? Do you understand the level of freedom that brings in your life when you pray and the only thing you're concerned about is glorifying God? That you just want to make sure you handle your circumstance in in a way that's going to bring Him glory and you ain't even worried about what He decides? Where your hope is in Him and whichever way He goes, you're cool with it because you just want to be good with Him. That's got to be incredibly freeing. And totally different from the way most of us live our lives. Totally different from the way most of us pray our prayers. Right? Can we be honest for a second? Are y'all okay? Am I scaring y'all? I know I'm like a bull let out of a gate this morning, but God, Lord, I got to get this out before I die. All right? Hopefully not literally, but that's that's, that's up to the Lord. Listen, do do you realize that most of the time our prayers are an attempt to get God to see things our way and to do what we've already predetermined the best outcome is? That we go to Him not just with a request but with an answer. And we're just seeing if He's cool with doing what we have asked Him to do. We have got to learn to pray in such a way that we get ourselves in neutral where we don't go giving God suggestions, but we simply go and lay ourselves on the altar, do what the king of Israel did or Judah, and go and, and lay out our problems in, before him and say, now God, there's a problem. I'd really, I'd really like some help here. Could you f- just whatever you want to do, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Paul said, hey, I could live or die. I don't know which one, Jesus, but if you'll just tell, you just make it happen and we're going to make sure we glorify you either way. Do you... Can, Man, can you imagine the freedom and the peace and the hope that comes in the midst of every desperate circumstance. Because hope's not an outcome. Hope's a person. So we've got to, when we, when we pray, we've got to just, you know, sometimes we get sick of praying for ourselves, so we pray for somebody else. We pray for other, for other instances and for other circumstances. We pray for the kingdom. We pray for, for whatever God brings to our minds, but we seek Him first. We seek His kingdom. We seek His righteousness. We pray that God will send laborers into the harvest so that more souls will be saved. We pray for lost loved ones. But God knows what we need. He knows what we need, He says, before we even ask for it. So if we'll seek Him first and His righteousness, then all these other things, and we just trust and hope that all of these other things will be added unto us the way He promised they would, and that everything we do honors the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 16, verse 26. This is what happened as a result of the way they were living their lives. Suddenly there was a... Hang on. Suddenly. Suddenly. How long has their circumstance been going on? Mine been going on for months. For them, it must have felt like months, the inner dungeon of a Roman prison. 
But in a moment, something happened. In a moment, something changed. It, see, we're so used to getting a lead up. We, we're so used to seeing, we see the tides turn and we believe it's going to go. No, in a moment, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. Now, what do you think the chances were that there just happened to be tectonic plates that shifted under the city of Philippi at midnight? It just happened to be at the time that Paul and Silas were praying and worshiping God in the midst of the inner dungeon of a Roman jail. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. Listen, do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe this is true? Do you believe this actually happened in, in, in somewhere around 50 or 60 A.D.? This was an actual event being recorded by a physician who was sort of a part-time historian as well. And he said this is exactly what happened in the city of Philippi, exactly precisely at midnight when they just happened to be praising and worshiping God in the midst of a hopeless situation. Listen, I believe... I believe that today, for some of you, you're going to have a suddenly. That today, for some of you, that everything's going to change right in the middle when you think there is no hope to be found. That right in the middle of your circumstance, something's going to change and you're going to have a suddenly moment. And it's all going to turn around and you're going to realize the power of God. You're going to realize that hope is not in an outcome. Hope is not in a circumstance. Hope is not in your own power. But hope is a person and His name is Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, there's always hope. So no matter what circumstance it is that you're facing this morning, what is it that makes you feel like you're in chains? What is it that makes, you, that makes you feel like there's no hope? Because I want you to know there is no situation that's so dark that the light of the world can't illuminate it. There, there is no, uh, no disease that's so deadly that Jehovah Rapha can't heal you. There is no battle and no storm so intense that Jehovah Shalom can't speak peace into it. There's no need so great that Jehovah Jireh can't provide what you need. There's no chain of addiction that's so strong that, that the Almighty God is not stronger still. There's no sin that binds you that the blood of Jesus can't wash away and set you free from. There's no pain from your past that God can't and won't heal you from, from the inside out. Listen, there are a lot of situations that we face in this world and a lot of things that feel hopeless, a lot of things that feel impossible to us. But with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe it this morning? We're going to pray in just a minute about these, the, the, the hopeless situations that you may be facing because I know they're... I know there are a bunch of you facing it. But there's, there's one more hopeless situation that we need to talk about, and it's really the most important one. And we'd be remiss if we didn't, because this is really the context of the Scripture. And I want you to go back to Ephesians with me. Jeremy, can you put Ephesians 2 and 12 back up, man, so we can look at it together? Ephesians 2 and 12, this was our opening Scripture, and I want us to see it together. It says that before we knew Christ, we were without God and without hope. 
In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And look, you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You you, you didn't know. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. And as a result of that, you lived in this world without God and without hope. Before we came to know the Lord, we didn't know. You didn't know that He had made promises. You didn't know that there was a such thing as a covenant. A covenant is a a holy agreement. And, And in this case, God Himself has given us really incredible promises. But those promises are not just about what happens here on this earth. His promises are eternal. There's no expiration date on His promises. So even after we die, His promises are still good because He never dies. I want you to look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is what Paul said later in his life. If our hope in Christ, if our hope, uh, hope is a person, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. If, if there's an expiration date on the covenant promises of God, Paul said we're wasting our time. We've wasted our time. We should be, you should feel sorry. Somebody, heathens, should feel sorry for us if there is an expiration date on the covenant promises of God because we have wasted our lives on a truth that dies when we die. That means there's no greater power than ourselves. If, if, if truth dies, we're all in trouble. Remember, our hope is a person. Our hope is in Jesus, and Jesus lives eternally. So we can live eternally. Jesus lives eternally because He already faced death and He beat it. So that's incredible news for us because we have hope that He's not just going to be with us in this life, but that we're going to be with Him in the next life. That when we die and everyone dies, that we can live forever with Him. Our hope lives on because Jesus lives on. But we can stand on that promise, not because we're good, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because of Jesus. He is our hope because He's good, not because we are. Listen, here's here's another hard truth to swallow, and and the American church doesn't like to talk about this, but but I'm going to give you the truth from the Word of God. The only way... We can have hope in Jesus. The only way that Jesus is our hope is if we will admit that we're sinners and that we have no other hope to save ourselves. That's that's it. Listen, we live in the Bible Belt and there's a a whole bunch of gospel-ish stuff being preached. A whole lot of people believe a whole lot of stuff about being saved. Let me tell you this. If you have never come to the realization that you are a sinner without hope unless Jesus saves you and rescues you by what He did for us on the cross and, and, and the shedding of His blood, then you're not saved. I don't care if you came forward and shook a man's hand. I don't care if you prayed the magic prayer. I don't care if you signed the card. I don't care if you joined the church. I don't care what you did. If you have not humbled yourself to the point that you admit that you're a sinner and that hurts people's feelings in 2018, but you were a sinner and I was too. All of us were born as sinners, but until we, until we admit that and accept that, and confess that, and that the only source of hope that we have in our lives is Jesus, 
then we aren't saved and we can't be. So you can't just like be cool and get saved. You can't just be okay the way you are and add Jesus on top. That's not how that works. Because the gospel is, is the, God would be the most cruel deity ever worshipped in the history of mankind if Jesus is not the only way to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father unless you come through me. If God would send his son to go through what Jesus went through on this earth, and then there's other ways to get there too, how cruel of a father would he be? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. If you have any hope of seeing the father, I am your hope. You see, sin's not a joke for Jesus. Because Jesus really lived. He is a historical figure. We can, we can prove, we can we have more evidence to prove that Jesus existed than we do George Washington. That's a historical fact. Jesus was real. He really lived. He really suffered. Those, those, those thorns in his head were real. They were an inch and a half to two inches thick, and they were as, 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 as long and as thick as, as your fingers. And they shoved into his scalp. He felt every pain. The nails were real that they put into his hands and feet. He felt every time they punched him in the face, every time they plucked his hair out of his beard, he felt everything. The suffering was real. He, li- he really lived. He really suffered. He really died. Because we really sinned. And we have no other hope besides Him. That's why sin's not a joke for Him. That's why why it's, it's, it's serious when we come to these points of time where we have to face the facts and we have to admit that we're sinners. Because listen, sin brings a death penalty. That's just the way it is. He says the wages of sin is death. When, when somebody sins and something has to die, and rather than all of us have to suffer and die and burn for eternity in hell, then Jesus stepped up and said, no, I'll take the punishment. I'll take their place. I'll suffer for their sin. I'll die so they don't have to die. I'll die so that they can have right relationship with the Lord. That's why he said, I, I am the way and the truth and the life. Don't disrespect me and what I did for you and what I went through on that cross by acting like there's some other way for you to get there. There is no other way. That's why when you are without Christ, you are without hope. So if we have any hope of heaven... Any hope to be eternally forgiven. Any hope of living in His presence, either here on this earth or in eternity. Then our hope is Jesus. Without God, we're hopeless. But hope is a person. And His name is Jesus. We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage, 
just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.